Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Every Square Inch. We are back after a week off from my travels. I've been overseas in the United Kingdom visiting some uh, dear, dear friends. Uh, I got to preach in Scotland and then uh, to England for my admissions interview into doctoral studies, which I am happy to say I passed. And so for the next five years, I'll be devoting myself to that work and fighting my imposter syndrome <laughs> that I constantly feel. Uh, nothing changes with my current work. I, I've had people ask me if I'll be doing this podcast while I'm working on my PhD, and the answer is absolutely yes. I've actually been working on my dissertation proposal for over a year now, so really the only thing that's changing is I've officially been accepted and my work is now official. Uh, someday I'll record an episode on my project because I do think it's interesting research that's very relevant to this podcast. But what I want to discuss today is the reaction I receive without fail every time I return from the United Kingdom. We have talked several times on this podcast about the uniqueness of a post-Christian society. Now, whether America fits into that category is a bit complicated. Certainly on an institutional level, it fits. Every major American institution, politics, entertainment, media, education, and so forth, all of these could certainly be designated as post-Christian institutions, meaning that the Christian framework that was once so highly influential to all of them has now been rejected. And yet, there remains this populous Christian influence in America. We still have churches everywhere. And many of those churches are full on Sundays. We, we have mega churches in America, for goodness sake. And there's also this vibrant Christian subculture. Now, I'm not a fan of the subculture tactic. You've heard me uh, critique it before if you've listened to this podcast. But there is no denying that Christians have carved out a fairly significant fortified space in American culture where Christianity still thrives. So is America officially a post-Christian society? On an institutional level, probably so. On an organic, popular level, probably not. Well, in the United Kingdom, there's no debate. On an institutional and popular level, the religious framework that built their entire society has been rejected. It is almost eerie to visit a, a culture with Christianity as the foundation of its ethics, education, science, art, architecture that is now actively, in, in some ways militantly, seeking to rid itself of that foundation. Every time I'm over there, it's the same experience. It feels like a tour through the ancient ruins of Christianity, where Christian markings are still everywhere, but only as artifacts, where churches are now museums or pubs. It's a very strange experience. And then when I come back and discuss all of this, inevitably someone will say, well, that's where we're heading. There seems to be this ever-present fear that we are just a generation or two away from what has become of Christianity overseas. It's as if Europe exists as this looming reminder of our coming fate. And it's this pervasive fear about the future of American Christianity that I want to speak to in this podcast. Before I get to the problematic nature of our fears, I first want to say that I actually think the fear is a bit unfounded. 
people just assume that there is this one-to-one correlation between Britain and America. What's unfolding over there will inevitably unfold here. But I don't think it's apples to apples like we assume. There, there are two key differences between us that I think are significant differences. The first is our constitution. I don't think Americans appreciate the significance of a constitutional republic with a constitutionalized freedom of speech and religion. The UK operates under an uncodified constitution where its highest ideals are much more fluid and easily changed. Now, they, they, they have always operated with freedom of speech and religious liberty and, and these things, but these are incredibly fragile concepts without constitutional support. They have the Magna Carta, but it, it just doesn't hold the weight that our Bill of Rights does. So take, for example, the hate crime legislation in Scotland. The bill criminalizes not just actual hate crime, but even the potentiality of hate. It makes, quote, stirring up hatred a crime. So theoretically, even voicing a traditional sexual ethic is a crime. Not just in public, mind you. There is no public-private distinction to the legislation. One member of the Scottish Parliament who was in opposition to the legislation, warned that the police could literally show up at your home having received a report of stirring up hatred around the dinner table. I mean, it's just chilling stuff. But is it coming to America? Not a chance, unless you change our Constitution. No member of Congress would ever consider proposing legislation like that. But if they did, it would stand no chance of passing. But if it passed, it would stand no chance in the courts. The most recent religious liberty case that came before the Supreme Court had to do with Catholic adoption agencies and their right to deny adoption to gay couples. Well, the case was heard by the Supreme Court, and they ruled unanimously in favor of the Catholic agency. Unanimous decision. People, Our religious liberties are not in danger like the fear pundits are telling you. But there isn't just a constitutionalized difference between us. Maybe more significantly, there's a cultural difference. For better or worse, we Americans have freedom. Individual rights coursing through our veins. Do you know what the Brits have? Honor, dignity, social graces. We we will die for freedom they will die before they would break social norms. Now, that British stereotype makes for the most pleasant, enjoyable society. I love visiting over there. They are just so nice. Even when I'm annoying them, I don't know it because they would never let me know it. Now, Americans, we are an obnoxious bunch. The last word I would use to describe our culture is dignified. But we would go to war before we gave up our rights. I mean, consider just a mask. A piece of cloth has been turned into a referendum on liberty in our culture. Could you imagine if they started telling us what we could and couldn't say around the dinner table? There's no way we would stand for it. I was discussing these differences with someone over there in Britain. And he said, well, surely there are limits to what you can say in public. Americans can't use homophobic language, can they? And I told him about crazy groups like Westboro Baptist and so forth. And he was shocked. 
By the way, for the for the record here, I want to make sure I want to make sure you know I don't condone hateful speech. I'm humiliated by those who call themselves Christians and use that tactic. That should go without saying, but I better say it. Anyway, he was shocked, and I thought what he said was telling. Here's what he said. Even if we were allowed to do that, nobody would ever do that. And that's and that's the difference right there. We are allowed to do it, Constitution. And we have people crazy enough to do it, culture. So what I'm saying in all of this is that the assumption of what's happening across the pond will inevitably happen here, I actually believe is unfounded. It doesn't take into consideration the constitutional and cultural differences that we have. Now, whether Christianity will flourish in America is another question. But the point I'm making is that it will always be allowed to. The state isn't going to get in our way. The real question is whether we will get in our way. If American Christianity goes the way of European Christianity, we will have no one to blame but ourselves. And this leads to the real point I want to make. The question is not whether our fear is unfounded or not. The question is whether our fear is unhealthy. And it is. Our fear, this pervasive ethos of Christian paranoia, is killing us. American evangelicals feed upon a steady diet of fear, and it is a poisonous diet slowly killing the church. The Facebook whistleblower told us what they are doing. The algorithms that make them most money are the algorithms that make you fearful. And Christians just click, 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 click on fear porn all day. And in so doing, we cultivate the antithesis of our calling, which is love. The opposite of love is not first hatred, it is fear, which then produces hatred. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, 1 John 4, 18. What is the connection? What is the connection there between love and fear? When we fear something, we view it as an enemy to be avoided or worse yet defeated rather than a neighbor to love. When fear dictates the term of our cultural engagement, we will view culture as an enemy to defeat rather than a neighbor to love. Consider Jesus. When he surveyed society, he had compassion for they harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When we survey society, it does not evoke compassion, but fear. Everyone is freaking out. And a mission born out of that panic cannot be love. And if you want to talk about the potential demise of Christianity in America, there's your threat. The church cannot survive if her love is compromised. So what we ought to fear is our fear. So what do we do? What do we do with this pervasive fear that's all around us? My suggestion is we just go ahead and accept the outcome we fear. Accept that we are exiles of this world and always have been. You see, the fear is rooted in the loss of power and influence. 
That's what's really going on here. Well, my suggestion is that instead of vainly grasping for faux remnants of a moral majority, we just release our grip. We just surrender to our exilic status that possesses no ability to wield earthly power. And then, from there, all we have left at our disposal is the weapon of love, which is told in Scripture and proven in history to be the only effective Christian weapon there is. Here we have much to learn from the black American church. You know, these United States have not historically been this supposed Christian utopian for all of us, right? You know that. You know there are American Christians who have only known exile, who have had no choice but to say, here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city which is to come. Well, how did they survive and in the end triumph? Fear or love? Do you think MLK had reason to fear? (laughs) I'd say so. Far more than any evangelical in our day has to fear. And yet, let me read for you his audacious words to a standing room-only crowd at SMU in 1966. Quote, Do to us what you will, and we will still love you. We cannot in good conscience obey your unjust laws, so throw us in jail, but we will still love you. Threaten our children and bomb our churches and homes, and as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hour, drag us out on some wayside road and beat us and leave us half dead, and we will still love you. But be assured, we will wear you down with all the lashings we suffer. One day, we will win our freedom. We will not only win freedom for ourselves, we will so appeal to your heart with our love that we will win you in the process and our victory will be a double victory. Unbelievable. I mean, where is that in current evangelicalism in America? Oh, that God would replace our toxic fear with such scandalous love. Are we going the way of Britain? Soon will our churches be museums and pubs. It's possible. But if it happens... It will not be because we have fallen victim to a tyrannical government. It will be because we have fallen victim to the tyranny of our fear. Friends, Jesus is risen from the dead. What's with all the fear from people who follow a man who came back from the dead? I don't know what the immediate future holds for America, but I know what America and Britain and the ends of the earth will look like in the end, and it is nothing short of Eden itself. Stop panicking. Remember the resurrection, and then go love your neighbor. Thanks for listening. If this has been helpful for you, would you consider uh, giving us a five-star rating? Even better, leave a review. Uh, Consider sharing it with someone else you think would benefit from it. And we will be back soon for another episode of Every Square Inch.